fuck is happening, my little munchkins? Ah, welcome back to Plat Chat Overwatch, episode seventy. Um, seventy years of Plat Chat. Mm, it's been a long time. We got to this point, haven't we? God, you, you, you don't look a year older. You do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I I have a new thing for the set. Oh really? Yeah, it's Custer instead of Matt. It's, good. <laughs> it's a great addition. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, we, I really like him. We took Can Matt out uh, for this episode in 2021. <laughs> the Matt. Wow. We got we got Custer in instead. Thanks for joining us, Custer. Thanks for filling in. Of course, it feels like anytime anything happens with Valiant, you're like, "Yo, Custer, you're available, <laughs> right?" And then I just come waltzing in. Yeah, old reliable. Yeah, uh, but what I actually, I actually did get something for the set though, and it's it's not your food that you're trying to hide. It's it's a different piece of food. I got I, uh, this is out of stock everywhere. I was trying to find things for the set, and I thought we have to get a thing of Lucio O's. And this isn't some kind of shill advertising because you can't buy these anywhere. These, this box went out of date in October 2019. It will murder a person if you open it and try and eat it. Just a single so sniff would so kill a child. It? It's, yeah, it's, um, it, it reminds me of the World Cup desk. What are you looking for here? Oh, it's free loot box as yeah, well. Yeah, free loot boxes, but yeah. we missed the we missed the submission day. Yeah, by, by how long? A year. <laughs> <laughs> I I had to buy it on eBay secondhand because you can't buy it from any stores. It just it seems like it's completely gone. But right. yeah, you know, this will make a site really like storing away a box of Lucios because you're gonna sell it on eBay two years later. Like that's foresight. I think Someone's this. I mean, they made a profit on this. They made a profit. I'm not gonna disclose how much I paid, but I will admit it was stupid money <laughs> <laughs> for a box of cereal. And, and I'm cooking this up. You guys are investing in crypto and all sorts. I see out there people investing in Tesla. Uh-uh. I'm investing in Lucioos. I've already seen the profits of these things. I'm, it's kind of uh, I'm in it for the long term. It's kind of crazy how good the Overwatch marketing team is. Yeah. The yeah. fact that they they got a cereal made, some vanilla flavored cereal. Yeah. It was it was relatively tasty when we ate some of the World Cup. Anyway, I just wanted to show that off because we yeah. got it, and now it will live in the background of our set forever. There you go. It's got the Olympics logo on it. Oh, proud sponsor of the Olympics that didn't happen. There you go, Josh. What's that pillow on the desk? That's it's also a little, you. The little Cloud Nine pillow. Oh, uh, little ah. Cloud Nine, just generic gaming stuff. Mm. Because uh, you know, oh. Cloud Nine, Cloud Nine actually. They own a team in the Overwatch League. Don't know whether people oh, knew do. that. Called yeah. uh, the London Spitfire. They don't run it oh. though, but they do own it. When did they stop that's running? Weird. That's weird. I don't know why that'd be relevant this episode, but no, I feel like that might come up later yeah. on. It could come up. Don't know. Uh, uh, it might come before up. Before we move on, up. I have a question. Okay. What are these trophies? And the one on the far right, what is that for? Why is another one carrying another guy? Yeah. This is the new Wyatt's Weekly Award. If you watch Plat Chat uh, Valorant, you'll know. That, he's he's uh, trying oh, to limbo boy. underneath another man. Yeah. Each, I don't... <laughs> no, actually, he's... This isn't a dance. No, it's wrestling. This is wrestling. <laughs> he's about to suplex <laughs> <Obviously>. this guy. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. He's going down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you would know if you watch Plat Chat Valorant, but... Oh, I don't. I'm not going to lie. Guess so you're loyal I'm to one game, aren't you, you simp? Well, people should. People should. 
Uh, let's, let's get this show started. Let's let's talk about the first topic of the day. The official format for the Overwatch League 2021. They did something. They, they did. They put an article. I haven't read it yet. They I, didn't did a, I haven't yeah. watched it. They did a whole video with John Spector. He had some more memes on his whiteboard. One of the memes was, who hired Matt? Did they get him a new box? So, <laughs> oh, find out who hired Matt. See there in the background. Yeah. Get a better mic. Yeah. Did he get a better mic? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's on the to-do list. So. It says try out for British Hurricane Trials as well in the back, <laughs> I think. Practice for British Hurricane I Trials. Also, it says VTubers for casters. So I'd love to see what Sideshow VTuber would look like. Um, it's a sentient know, egg. I, I'm interested. I, I could draw something up. You know, maybe we could get some submissions going. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for all of us to have... What is it called? Uh, when you have v VR, you have like an assistant or like a helper, a mute. Oh, yeah. yeah mute. Oh, we're getting mutes for the Overwatch League. Is that what's happening? <laughs> I no, don't know please. what you're talking yeah, about. I don't know what you're I talking about. I assume you mean like Clippy for Word? Is that what you mind. mean? Cut that out, Kurt. Cut it out. Don't, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> don't go down that rabbit hole. Let's <laughs> no, not, not go there. Um, there is anyway. a lot of information released in this video and uh, following article as well, though. They, they talked about the, the rough format for next year, the amount of teams in both regions. I believe this is where the information about the Valiant playing in uh, the APAC region came from as well, because you can see they're not there in the, in the, in the West, in Europe, um, Europe and North American region. Um, there was a bunch of other stuff as well, except I can't remember it off the top of my head. And also, I can't remember what's public and what isn't. So I'm going to have to wait for yeah, the article. Well, I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to <laughs> leak stuff. <Well> <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, it's 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 like uh, like like last year, you know. Like they're bringing that uh, back uh, mid-season tournaments, so there's gonna be four of those, and then the regular season matches becomes like qualifiers for those mm -hmm. tournaments, right? So uh, it's going to be pretty similar to last year. There was something about Hawaii, like if they do like yeah. a, yes! a tournament uh, at the playoffs, I think they that said was they amazing want to have them in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I let's... just want to. Can I go? Come on, John. Go, go. No, I meant go to Hawaii. Oh, go to oh, Hawaii. Wait, yeah. yeah okay, so uh, this is um, this is unbelievably interesting news, right? So they 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 actually this article was good on the OverwatchLeague.com, but GG Recon, I think it was Yisker actually, but it might not have been, did an interview with John where he went into more detail about like how they came to these decisions, mm -hmm. and they basically said that during the gauntlet and stuff, they've trialed this system where they add artificial latency. Right, okay. And they found that from gathering feedback from pro players that 90 ping is about where Overwatch stops being nice to play. Fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, fun. Uh -huh. and, and also, <laughs> in some senses, it doesn't even work as intended because of stuff like Doomfist just bugging out and like uh, the tech just working really weirdly. I think there's weird stuff with ball on high ping as well. So the 90 ping is like their goal for next year and so they said if we get east coast servers and and perfect the routing and get it to these european teams we can have them both playing on 90 ping sure and they want to make <laughs> they want to make the tournament finals interregional between the yeah. apac teams and the north american teams Ooh. that is massive news and their fix for this is if they route things directly, if they fly out the North American and possibly, by the way, European teams that qualify to Hawaii, they can get, they believe, 90 ping roughly for, for both parties to, to Asia. I think it routes to Tokyo directly from Hawaii. And you end up being in a playable situation where in, it, you are literally playing from North America, from the, the uh, you know... 
Hawaii, which has the same restrictions as the rest of the US. That is ridiculous. It is. I mean, what world do we live in? Yeah. That's pretty cool, It's interesting, because me and Johnny lived in a time in which where we played teams from NA played against teams from Europe, and it was just awful because, like, at some point, you have to... One team's playing with really high lag and one's playing with low. So this, like, new system that Overwatch has been able to do where they get both people on exactly the same latency playing from these, you know, different regions is actually incredible for the game. And if they can get it sub-100, like, I've played on, like, 200. I've played on 160. The breakpoint, I think, is actually a little bit higher in my opinion around 120 after you get to 120 projectiles just stop existing really and you (laughs) just get hit by random damage so i think this if they can get it sub 100 it will feel good and i don't think you'll see much like competitive integrity loss for Mm -hmm. the uh for the tournaments that would be so sick how amazing would that be that is actually like I've never heard any other yeah. company even try that. Like when they were saying the yeah. servers in Greenland, I was like, haha, yeah, that's that's been that's been actually a thing that's been a meme for ages with like NA versus EU. Like, oh why don't you just put it in Greenland? Yeah, fuck off, that's not how the cables work. <laughs> Apparently Hawaii they do work like that. What? <laughs> uh, I, I'm just surprised they could add artificial latency. Like I swear yeah. they've added some latency to my game sometimes because it just keeps lagging. But I don't know what's up with that. Anyway, I think <laughs> I don't think I... it's artificial. <laughs> no, no, they keep adding latency to my game, Brent. That's why I kept missing my shutters. I, I, I can't believe it. Anyway, I, I I think it honestly would be like if they were managed to bring teams to Hawaii like that, it would be like setting the pace for rest of esports really because it has been an arms race during covid for esports to be like hey we're gonna have like an artificial or artificial a virtual set and like we're gonna enable all this competition online and we're gonna make it as fair as possible like if you actually like went to hawaii and maybe i'm over dramatizing here like i i think it sets us a great precedent for the rest of esports really um and the fact that overwatch league could do that i think would be just great overall and also i want to go to hawaii the Overwatch League yeah. single-handedly send saving the wine tourism industry. I, I, want, I want us to be on the beach. You know, our backdrop is the ocean. The waves coming in. Me, Kassa, and Zoe. Zoe's dressed in like a, a, a nice flower dress. You know, me and Kassa wearing shorts. Kassa looks really Australian. Has like a big Australian knife <laughs> in his pocket. You know, just <laughs> see, see like some sharks in the ocean behind us. Like, it's going to be great. I'd love it. I, That'd so be fantastic. I, why does Jonathan think they're going to take the casters? <laughs> or, or the desk? Like, why, why does he yeah, think I they're going to take anyone? Don't take this away Corruption from us. Production quality. <laughs> You'd have, like, people walking behind us. You'd have the waves crashing in. I think it'd be beautiful. Mate, I mean, you mm. saw the to-do list. VTubers for casters. Yeah, just, we're all out of a job next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be in your virtual character. Yeah, get in an AI suit or get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're gonna have our we're gonna have our green screens again. So they're gonna put up a camera in Hawaii, and then we'll be VTubers on a green screen at home. So it looks like we're in Hawaii. Yeah, that's, that's really what it's about. I I totally agree with you, Johnny. That it really does feel like this is one of the biggest steps to me. That is, Owl is actually pushing the envelope across esports. Like this is. Okay, this is a very different strategy to what a lot of other games have gone for, where they've tried to bubble or they've set up, you know, somewhere and had like, you know, like worlds with with Riot. That was a totally different answer to the same problem, at least not the regular season problem, but a similar problem. This does feel, though, like the Overwatch League actually pushing the envelope and doing something new, innovative that nobody else has tried. With that is going to come 
probably technological hurdles that they haven't anticipated quite yet. Even with all of the planning in the world, something this kind it's of a scale. Cool yeah. idea, though. It's an amazingly cool idea. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a cool idea. All I'm saying is you've got to give them a little bit of slack as they work out the kinks too. Like if yeah. this if this happens and something goes wrong the first time around, you've got to be a little understanding that this is something no one else sure. is really trying to do or has done before. It's kind of wild. So if you see the players complaining about like, oh, the ping was actually 150. They told us it'd be 90. Like, all right, they're probably still working out the kinks, you know? There's a little bit of leeway, I think, that you have to give them here. And the other, the other aspect of this too is the US is still under pretty, in some places, very severe COVID lockdown oh, restrictions, ICU units. Like, <laughs> the, there are really, really fucked up areas of the country. So it's, it's interesting to me I don't know how smart it will end up being that four times per year they're going to be flying, you know, going into a major airport hub, flying somewhere else, doing stuff. I say that having just moved, but I, I drove because I partly because I didn't want to use airports right yeah. now as well. well I, I felt pretty safe when I was flying. Yeah. Um, but I, I flew with Delta and they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, because they just yeah. they blocked out the middle aisles. I mean, I could see a solution where they literally just book out a commercial flight. I, I mean, if they're Put sending jets, four teams there, it's possible, jets, right? My, my question becomes for these European teams, like, I think, you know, if we do have these European teams and they actually have full European players now, are they going to be able to get all those players to Hawaii to solve that problem? Or are they just going to play from Europe now to play for, to like yeah. the, uh, the West? Like, there's definitely going to be some, I guess hurdles that they're going to have to solve and they might not be able to solve throughout the season. But as you guys said, this is like fundamentally something that's never been done. So I, I'm, I'm hyped to see at least how they can execute on this at least yeah. a little bit. It's a really also, interesting... was it unclear? Sorry, was it unclear like when they would actually fly out? Was it for like every small tournament or stage was it finals. only for the playoffs? I think they stage said stage well. playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's four trips to Hawaii, John. That's four. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I, I do, I don't understand. Please sign what, me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what they're going to do with the European teams, though. The, yeah. There doesn't seem to be anything that I've seen in what John's talked about. on them about. being shit? Uh, maybe, maybe, because the thing is, the, the, some of them have, uh, like, UK players, like uh, yeah, I mean, hybrid, it, for You example. won't be able to get back in, you, won't, you can't get into the US yeah, right, no, right now, no, currently. I'm yeah. sure there's um, other travel restrictions from European countries as well, but I'm not aware of them. I just know the UK is oh, restricted. Oh, it's a right whole. Now. It's a whole like uh, it's called like it has like a name like the Chopin uh, area or something. But it's the like Schengen area. All the Schengen area. There you go. I just <laughs> threw something out there. Yeah. But it's like all the Nordic countries. You know, I think it's even like Germany, Netherlands. Yes, uh, majority of EU. Majority of EU, EU, yeah. So it's not only the UK. Like, a lot of countries actually can't travel. That's the reason I didn't go home for Christmas. Like, I couldn't right. go home to Christmas yeah. because I couldn't go back into the country, right? Yeah. So um, that, that's a big situation and probably largely yeah. why um, European teams don't go back to the US. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's multiple reasons, but that's probably one of them. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, at the end of the day, though, you, you, have to, you have to work with the cards you're given. And this year you don't want to just exclude European players from being able to be signed. You have to come up with a format that is workable in the current yeah. environment. And this seems like a really good format that's going to deliver good games, good competitive integrity, and at least give us some like sprinklings of inter-regional stuff midway through. If the unfortunate casualties are the European players <clears throat> not being able to make it to the stage finals, that's better than them not being able to compete at all in the in the season, yeah. in my opinion. Does Hawaii yeah. have the facilities? 
Yeah, it's not it's not completely like you know just sure. beaches and all that kind of stuff. It actually has some reasonable infrastructure, and I'm sure it's been looked into enough, right? But I like, think it, I mean yeah, John... I'm not saying I don't I'm not under the impression they don't have roads, Custer. <laughs> Like I'm just, well, no, I know for a fact that they like, have. They I know have, what you mean by the servers and shit, right? I mean, I, I'm thinking um, like an actual like center where they can set up and the team can play in, you know? Like, Presumably. I mean, there has to be. Yeah, it's I 2020. Mean, if there wasn't, then they wouldn't have announced that they were going. Sure. They could like, also oh. just bring shit there. John's yeah. like, rent shit. out a conference center. <laughs> yeah. <or something>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could just rent out a conference center as long as they have the actual internet you, yeah, you yeah, need. Yeah. Everything else kind of. You so they have 5G it. in a way, you know? Maybe they should get someone to actually, like, give them 5G in <laughs> yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is well, again, there 5G in Like you're Hawaii? talking about with, uh, with contract negotiations with Owl, keep it on the down low. We don't mention names until contract negotiations are through, do we? <laughs> <laughs> Could be any available data name. provider. I Could haven't said anyone. anything. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, was there anything else in the article? Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, cool. Let's just not go over oh, it. I can't remember what it was. So they, oh, they, 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 kind of, data they released some dates as well. <clears throat> so now when everyone's asking you, when does it start? It starts in April. They said spring before. So this mm -hmm. is actually more of a concrete beginning. Okay. Starts in April, ends in September. They also, and there's four matches. They every, also released uh, that there's going to be... Four regular season matches before, for, as like seeding for every tournament um, that occurs, mm -hmm. which is an increase of one over previously. So previously it was three. And they actually, um, when John was doing this interview with Gigi Recon, he said that they ran a bunch of data analytics of um, the difference between uh, going from three to four. And apparently it much more strongly correlates. It's, it's kind of like a tipping point there, where if you run four... Um, uh, four randomized games heading into a tournament, you've already got a much better understanding of uh, where the team actually is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it removes a lot of the arbitrary strength of schedule stuff that was plaguing it last season where you might have three easy games or three what? hard games. Did they, have they fiddled with the numbers in terms of weighing the matches? Like the, the way, do you remember that we had those issues where they were calculating in terms of... Um, with the tournament results, the tournament wins ah. didn't matter because at the end yeah. of the day, the seeding was your win ratio, your win-loss sure. ratio. I don't know whether they announced anything in this article. Um, it would be there if they have talked about it, though. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not aware of that if they have. I don't think so. That'll probably be some more oh, information. Yeah, there's a, there's a, the community tournament as well. Mm. And then it's the San Francisco Shock versus the World competition. Yeah, I'm, I think that could be pretty cool. Yeah, they've had a long time to workshop it. It's like been a pretty, you know, chill off season from the outside point of view, from the shocks point of view. So this could be a, a pretty awesome show match with a bunch of. Who's the stuff world? In. Well, I think that's kind of the point. It can be anyone. Okay. So like they can have all star different teams that they go up against or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the the world's your oyster at that point, isn't it? It's just a cool idea for a tournament. You could put them against like. Old, old rogue with uh, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Bring him back. Shit. Community <laughs> match. That would be. It's like, it's like, oh, let's take the take these these ancient washed up players and put them in a show match against the best team back to back champions of the world. Hello. Uh, I don't know. I I, I, 
I had faith in you, actually, Jonathan. You just but... want to see me fail, Josh. <laughs> no, what? no, no, no. I don't want to see you fail. I had hope and optimism for your chances in that game. I thought you could reignite the, the flame, the fire. Mate, the only chance Rogue beats San Francisco Shock is if we play Valorant. That's it. Like, bring <laughs> Twick on KM. Maybe I can play support or something. Just give weapons. That's the only way, dude. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. Winds can be a smoke or something. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but other than that, the article just, yeah, gave us dates, gave us Hawaiian servers, potentially, um, or Hawaiian solution. Um, and, yeah, there wasn't really, not really much else, is there? Yeah, I'll say it, it, it's, very, it's a very nice update and I'll, because it feels like John and the Overwatch League team is ahead of a lot of things. Like, we got this update and we're like, cool. Great, you know, uh -huh. ecstatic about the new season. It's going to be cool. Good changes overall. Like, I'm, I'm just happy with the update in general. It's and I, I think that's worth pointing out. Like, it's a rough situation. The world mm. is, you know, a bit messed up at this time. But John delivered a nice update. And in general, like, good changes all around. Like, I'm really happy with it. So yeah. uh, it seems like they're ahead of a lot of things. And thinking about things like ping, like, how are we going to make this work? And um, doing progress every year. And, you know, <laughs> that was... Nate Nancer's old saying, you know, like every Overwatch League year should be better than the last. And I feel like that's on point uh, with this update. So I feel really good about it. I'm excited. The, there were a couple of other changes as well. So I just wanted to throw them out into the world. So obviously this works if you understand anything about maths, but I didn't say it explicitly. So I'm going to reiterate it because there was there's four tournaments and you play four regular season games to seed for them. That means there's only 16 games per team down from 21 last season, down from, uh, what was it, 28 in season two, down from 40 in season one. Right. So you're playing half the amount of games as you did in season one per team. Um, or actually way less, like, yeah. 16 okay, instead so of 40. Let me pose a question there then, because I think that's actually quite interesting because there's a balance where like you have too many games and you have too few games. So for example, in the NBA, they play a shit ton of games. You know, to the point, and in baseball as well, they play a shit ton of games because they want to have as many TV broadcasts as possible so they can yeah. monetize, get as many ads in as possible, revenue, etc. And then you have other sports, like football, that plays less games, you know? So, like, every game becomes more important because every game matters, in a way. But I feel like 16 games, that's a bit too few. I feel like we're getting to the point where, like, every game is crucially important for the teams to advance and, like, get good standings. But... I don't think that energy and the importance is going to translate to the viewer as much. I know it's a shorter season, you know, it's only from, uh, it says on the schedule on Reddit here. I think it said from April, April to, to September. September. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, April to September. So that's a shorter season than we generally have, right? And maybe, I don't know what next year is going to look like, but I wanted to know your thoughts on 16 games a season. Do you think that's too few or should we have more? What do you think about this? I, I think it's one of those things like I played in the 40 season uh, 40 match season and that was just brutal and it literally felt like some matches you just threw them and you're like ah it's whatever it doesn't matter to the seating I think I agree with you that 16 might be a little low but I actually think I really like it because it's gonna mean as, as you said every match is gonna matter but I think that's important I feel like we've lost a lot of that in the past especially with last year with how many games and how chaotic and all over the place it was with the COVID situation. I think 
it's going to make more storylines and be like this team lost to this team. And that's super important because they only play now twice in a season. So instead of just everyone just playing everyone and teams able to make those mistakes, the team at the end of the season that has the best record or like has good seating is going to actually like be representative of that. Yeah. I, you will only play some opponents once in an entire year, right? Like if you're in the North American division and there's 12 teams, and you have 16 games, the way the maths works, you're only going to play the majority yeah, the of your opponents once, and some of them twice. Um, so it's... Uh, what I... I mean, I, I like a lot of the components of that. What I dislike is you get a bad meta, you just throw it away. And like, the, the, the big games of the season, <clears throat> if you get them on a bad meta, they're no longer a big game. They're just a throwaway, you know? Like a Shock versus Philly can just be a... Well, it's not even a thing anymore, but like a shock versus a Dallas Fuel or whatever, maybe that'll be a huge game for next year, is potentially a throwaway if you get it on a like, I don't know, a very strong tracer meta, for example, because strike is incredible and Dallas doesn't really have a tracer. But if you get it in a different meta, that could be an insanely good matchup. So I think there's, there's more, um, more risk, I feel, to, to having the games be... I don't know, not quite as exciting as they should be because mm -hmm. the patch could just kind of yeah. muddle a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm worried about that as well. Like, the more matches you have, the more, like... Like, the less matches you have, the results become more volatile, right? But if you have a ton of matches, then the results in the end are going to be less hyperbolic and more representative of like how good a team really is. I agree with Costa that like you can't have too many matches because it's just unreasonable at that point. But um, yeah, I feel like maybe 16 is a bit too few. We'll see what happens. I, yeah, next I feel season, it's just going to be interesting to feel it out. I don't I have a good like feel we, at this point. We had a good number last year is what I felt like. Despite the chaos, I felt like we had a good number. Yeah, like it, was, the season, it wasn't bad. It didn't feel... Uh, I mean, I think the whole fucking year was fatiguing, actually. I was about to say it didn't feel fatiguing, but I think it's, it's easy to get mixed up in terms of the general feeling it, of 2020. It um, was but, rough to do it online, Ben. Yeah, I, it, was, yeah. it was real rough to do it online. Um, but the season itself felt like... I felt like we were in a good position because at the end of the day as well, the fans, they want to watch games. Yeah. They want to see matches. And when you're shortening that even more, it, you're kind of like... I, I don't know. I feel like there's, it's, it is a bit of a risk, I think, of... of... Yeah, I don't know. It might, it might honestly help with audience engagement. Some, some fans might like that it's a shorter season because it's easier to follow the course of it as opposed to it being really long mm. uh, and you're just like waiting for the end result, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's something that we're going to have to see. Yeah, to I think honest. you have to feel it out. I yeah. think it's really hard to tell. I, We've kind of only... killed this. Sorry, go on. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about is like, Two-week hero pool is now a fairly large part of the season. If you get a bad yeah. one, yeah, are we doing hero pools? Is has anything been said about hero pools coming back in? Because I like, I personally didn't like them. It was just chaos. But they, we haven't like heard any word from the league. I hope I they don't. But we'll see. I, I no, will no, say the one throw. nice thing about hero pools is that it did force change and inject change into the meta in a way that I mean, it, it did its job right. But I have a feeling as well that Ash. Until she was kind of until every other hit scan was banned, teams probably wouldn't have experimented with Ash as quickly, yeah. and we wouldn't have seen her see as much playtime. Like it was good for actually kind of 
forcing changes in the meta even when hero pools weren't around, I think. And literally just like opening the eyes of the teams into what compositions are strong outside of the the, the yeah. already, you know, It fulfilled its job to a certain degree. The, yeah. There were some other changes as well that I wanted to go to. Um, they have... <clears throat> this is a direct quote from John Spector. There's a host of improvements that we're looking to do with YouTube as we head into the second year of our partnership with them. The one he's most excited about, or the, rather, if it's a direct quote, I should say, the one I'm most excited about, is just going to be upping the actual stream quality. And that's something we've been working hard at with them and are now confident we're going to be able to deliver for next year, end quote. So that's, that wasn't in this article. It was in the GG Recon article <clears throat> where they were directly interviewing him. But he's basically, it's going to be a significantly higher stream quality for next year on YouTube, it's which good. is a huge improvement because the actual YouTube encoding, I think, is at a higher quality bitrate wise, but the compression was worse. Yeah. So the end result ended up looking muddy compared to Twitch. Yeah. It was very yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, it was odd. But it I'm excited weird. about it. Like, that's another thing. I'm just happy with it because, like, they're ahead of it. And, like, that yeah. was a big complaint last year was, like, hey, the quality is kind of scuffed. And then some people on Reddit was, like, hey, check out the MLG stream because that's better. Like, that's just difficult as a viewer. And now they manage it. They increase the quality. They're, like, hey, this is a problem. We're going to fix it. It's just good overall. Like, awesome. Yeah. They also, they also said their partnership with IBM is going to lead to a bunch of interesting new stats stuff. Um, yeah, uh, this quote from John says, I think there's a better fan-facing product that is dissecting all of that stat information and presenting it in a way where you could start to answer, who is the best at Overwatch? Or why is this team the best? Through stat-driven ways. And a lot of the initial focus with IBM has been on that type of work. Interesting. Yeah, a yeah, lot of the cool. a lot of the data analysis stuff has been done by teams. Actually, like a lot of the teams invested in data analytics um, to find talent and to refine talent, um, and it's not something that the league has done too much of. A lot of the stat stuff has been pretty manual behind the scenes. Yeah. So, who knows? I mean, have you have you ever seen that robot that beat everyone at Jeopardy? The yeah. IBM Watson. Sure. Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah, is that could, what you're thinking? Watson? Yeah, I think John, John Spector's going to roll out Watson with a VTuber front, <laughs> and it's going to just spit up beep boop. Striker is the best tracer in the world. It's like, and why? Then, he just provides a fucking list of statistical evidence, and we're like, oh, I can't compete. I can't fucking compete. <laughs> and then it goes over to Jonathan, and he goes, he aim good. I don't know. <laughs> yes. We're gonna be, we're all going to be re replaced by robots. Yeah, chat is going to be done by AI at some point. <laughs> we all knew it they'll, was coming. You know, they'll do those, that thing where they like take episodes of a show and they just compile a script and they like print out a new script for a show based on like yeah. the most generic things. They'll do that with Platt chat and we'll all get, get our own AI. So Sideshow will say the most Sideshow things, Brent will say the most Brent things and <laughs> just keep it going. Math and AI already, so it's going to be much of the same, but... Uh, that's pretty much it though, right? Mm -hmm. That is that is pretty much it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the 2021 season. Uh, honestly, mm -hmm. this uh, it, despite the obstacles, I think it's it's clear that we've got good people behind the wheel. You know, I felt yeah. like early early Overwatch League, you had visionaries, and now it's almost like just the the realistic, hardworking. Yes. You know, people who are just pragmatic, turning it into a reality. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I feel very similar. It's nice.
the next topic we've got is unfortunately not that uh, not that happy. There was some streamer drama in the scene with Ryu J Hong, um, and he was called. Apparently, he's a full time streamer now, signed by Gen G. Um, mm. I will say before we get into this topic as well, all of this is in Korean. None of us speak Korean. There were some translations being put out by um, some presumably former fans of him or, or just wanted to essentially let the Western scene know. Um, so there's a lot that we don't really, I, I don't really know what the fair way of putting it is, but we just don't really know. It's um, hard to tell how severe it is yeah. when you don't speak the language. Like clearly there's some, you know, nah. sexist terms in there, but how severe they are is very difficult to assess from the outside. Like how, what your reaction should be. It's it's difficult to with, follow With that all. being said, at face value, I mean, the, the guy apparently, I mean, not even apparently, like he's deleted his VOD and everything else. All the actions of someone who, I mean, clearly is fucked up. Um, and if you're sexist, I mean, just don't be fucking sexist. It's pretty easy, you know? <laughs> fucking genius like, advice. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think it's not even that though as well. I was actually kind of, this, I mean, I say kind of, I was very disheartened to, to read a lot of this news coming out because the situation was just fucked when I was reading about it. Now, I was taking translations again from, from people off of Twitter, but uh, one of the things that I, I saw Ryu J. Hong defending himself with some of his comments and some of the stuff that he was saying, which I'm not going to be repeating, we're not going to get it too far into that, but some of the stuff that he was saying in terms of to defend himself was that it, it's to be expected in the streaming culture of Korea. Mm. Uh, all I can say to that is, what the fuck? Seriously, like, what the fuck? Why would you want to go into a job or any sort of field or anything like that if that is the culture you're going to have to inhabit, even if you don't believe in it? But, I mean, clearly the guy doesn't give a fuck because he's, he's planning on continuing to do this kind of shit. So, and just blaming the environment instead of taking responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's just a horrific situation all around. We don't normally talk about drama. He's not an Overwatch League player anymore, though he is a former Overwatch League player and he is a large part of the history of the scene. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just incredibly disheartening all around. I mean, we, yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, Gen G themselves haven't released an official statement on it. Ryu Zhang put out an apology, but it seemed... I mean, I, I'm not even sure whether the... There was some, like, discrepancy over whether the translation of the apology was There was two different translations, right? so, and we don't speak Korean, so we don't know which one to take. Yeah. So yeah. it's... It's a very difficult drama yeah. to, to follow from the Western side of it, to know like how bad it is. But at the very best interpretation of it, it still seems still really fucking bad. bad. Yeah, it's yeah. still yeah. really fucking bad. Yeah. So do not be a sexist piece of shit and don't follow or fan stan, I suppose yeah, is the verb. Stan, People who are sexist pieces of shit either. So, and that's just a general rule. That applies to everybody that yeah. you meet on the internet. Try and make the yeah. internet a better place than you left it. Like... Like if you're going around the local park, pick up the trash. Don't leave your own. Yeah, it's disheartening. It really is. But I mean, yeah. we had to address it on the podcast because we knew people would be asking for it. Um, but yeah, it's not like we've got this. This isn't fucking Keemstar. We're not going to be coming out with the latest drama, pulling it up for the clicks, you know? We so, should, though. Yeah. We should create a separate Plat Chat drama channel. I mean, you can do that by yourself, <laughs> <in the> corner, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, now, speaking of, as I've just said, we're not Keemstar. We're not addressing the drama. Well, what's our next topic? It's a Valiant drama. The, this, the, but this is actual giga juice. This, yeah. this is juicy now. So this is actually related to the Overwatch League, so we felt like we should spend some time on it. And also, I've got to also address this because a comment that I made is that I don't like talking about leaks on Plat Chat yeah. because it can hurt teams, it can hurt careers and other stuff. Um, but in this case, this is just, it's almost blown up to such a gargantuan proportion that we kind of have to address this now on Plat Chat because it's, 
Uh, I mean, it's kind of wild. The yeah, ramifications. I mean, we, we can't get it any bigger than it already is. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's insane. Do you um, want to try but, and summarize but, it? So, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Halo of Thoughts. Who uh, does he call himself a journalist? Uh, I don't know. A leaker, I think. Uh, he's is, a leaker. I think that's how he refers to himself. The, he who has, wants to be not a leaker. I mean, no, he's I posted a tweet saying that the Valiant Org is being bought by a Chinese org that he doesn't know. Yeah, we should we should find the exact wording, though, because the wording is really important as It well. is very important. Because yeah. yeah. it seems like a, there's a little bit of a game of semantics here that I'm annoyed that is being played. But So that's why the wording is, is pretty important, too. So here's the tweet. According to go. multiple sources, the Moore's Gaming Club has sold the, the Los Angeles Valiant to an un, uh, currently unknown uh, to me, Chinese organization. Also, according to sources, is the new Valiant owner does want a team with a heavy Chinese influence. What's the second tweet? I didn't see the second tweet. Um, more incoming roster moves because the new owner wants Chinese talent. Yeah. Reached out for comment with Valiant and I will update when I receive a response. Um, so the, the aftermath of this as well is that the Valiant issued a response say, publicly, a tweet response, yeah. saying... Actually, again, I don't want to fuck up the wording here. You so should see it, yeah. I'm going to try and find the, the tweet. The quote tweet of it Yeah, it says... It should be one of the most recent tweets by the LA Valiant, if you can uh, find that, Kurt. I'm, I'm searching for it myself it as is, well. They oh, were, here we go. Like, yeah. We would like to confirm that this rumor is false. IGC will continue to own the is LA the Valiant. Uh, Immortal Gaming... Yeah. Immortal Gaming Club, yeah. I want to say? Yeah, okay. Immortal Gaming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we are excited about the opportunity to grow the brand's global reach this year. Now, if we ignore so the vague. garbled corpo yeah. speak at the end, yeah. the, the, the thing here as well is that the Valiant are saying that the selling the Valiant is, is, false. is false. They're specifically not addressing the rumor about them chopping and changing players. Yeah. Picking up Chinese players or... All of the players are tweeting like Monka yeah. S, sad face, I can't believe it, this kind of stuff. Yeah. The kind of stuff right. that leads you to believe 100% some horse shit is happening down in the Immortals camp, uh, down in the Valiant camp, and Valiant are just denying that small portion of it whilst trying to make it seem like they're denying the entire thing. Well, they denied that they're not, like, they're, they're not selling the team like they will continue to own it right but they didn't deny that someone might be stepping in to like manage the situation exactly. yes so that's why i think it's vague because it's not like addressing all the things that halo pointed out in his tweets it's just like yeah yeah we're not we're not selling the org but we're excited about expanding global reach which is like okay well you know that means that something's happening here and i think it was listed in the announcement that john made as well right that la valiant will op uh, not operate yeah. but compete um, mm -hmm. in, in the Asian uh, standings. Um, so yeah. it, it, that's why it's a bit too vague. Like, what, now we're just going to speculate about what's going to happen because they put out, like, a bad tweet about it. Yeah, but the... Yeah, I, yeah go on, Costa. I, I just think it's, it's pretty obvious that it's, like, one of those situations, like, in my eyes, like, especially with the, the players being very publicly upset about what's happening that leads it so heavily i think it's more likely that la valiant playing that semantic role of like we're not selling it but we're just giving control to completely everyone else which is like well that's not any better like no one cares that you guys are going to continuously own the organizer uh the like team yeah. if the team is going to fundamentally change so it's like i think a lot of people are really upset and i think deservedly so like 
Valium they, has changed itself every year I know. to this point. Yeah. It, the, sorry, there's just some more homework for Kurt as well. There are m multiple further tweets from Halo as well where he says he, he doubled down on it. Like after the, after the Valiant said, we can confirm this rumor is false, that portion of it, he doubled down and he was like, I'm happy to double down on this, which Halo is with more frequency than someone in his position should be inaccurate with what he says, right? It's when you're, he's not a Jacob Wolf where if he says something, you know, it's going to happen, which is a problem yeah. when you're reporting big stuff like this, because exactly, if he had, yeah. this is, this is my plea to Halo as well. Please, bro. I know that you watch and all I ever want is for you to actually take a bit more time with your reporting, because yeah. if you do your due diligence, when you report the small shit and make sure that all of that is precise, the wording is correct, that you have all of the sources confirmed and everything, you build the reputation so that you are 100% correct in everything you say. And when you break a big story, everyone knows it's true. The only reason there's so much fucking horse shit drama around this, centralized around Halo, is because he's been wrong in the past about stuff. So you don't know 100% yeah. that he is correct with what he says. If someone like Jacob Wolf comes out and says it, you're like, well, fuck it. He's obviously correct. He's not going to risk his reputation on that. But, I mean, Halo's already fucked up his reputation by claiming stuff last year that if I'm wrong, I'll leave Third the scene. Impact, and then, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. left the scene for a while and came back. Like, it's all it sorts just, of fucked up. Yeah. It, 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 if Halo is trying to be a genuine journalist, then fair enough. But, I mean, what you were saying, Josh, you just got to, you know, spend the time to actually make sure the sources are correct about what they're reporting sure, on, you know, sure. double, uh, double checking, fact checking, everything else. But I want to say that the, the reason that you can be sure he has something genuine, or at least he believes is really genuine is that he fucking doubles down on it is like, yeah, them, there's yeah. gotta be, even if he's not correct, which I actually doubt that he is correct when he says they have been sold. So like he specifically says twice in his tweets, they have been sold to a Chinese organization. Personally, I doubt that that's the case because then the Valiant, I think the Valiant are more likely to play like shitty semantics where they're like, mm, actually, we haven't been sold. We've just given over ownership or, or rather we've given over like management, but we retain ownership. Like that's the kind of horseshit that organizations do all the time. But orgs are much less likely to just boldface lie. They do occasionally, but they don't often come out and just yeah. be like no actually you're wrong when they know they're about to get owned like two weeks down the road they don't often do that but i think there's probably somewhere in the middle ground where halo has been imprecise with his wording and doesn't know the whole story but the, the general gist of what he's talking about is correct which again just means that he should have put more time into actually breaking the story properly and he's distracting from the main focus which is if the Valiant are doing the shit, fuck them. This is actually like some, I, I think it's like properly unethical it's, behavior. It's, it's actually horrible for the like players. Dropping the players yeah. when you've just signed them at the beginning of the season, I think is just profoundly bad business. The off season yeah. is pretty much over. Almost every single team has finalized their rosters, yeah. not looking for any new players. And if it is the case where they've dropped all of these players and they're now looking for new teams, that is just deeply unethical. Yeah, I mean, you've but, just, you've fucked with their lives. Like, they, yeah. they, might have, they might have dropped previous jobs that they've had. They might have um, been, you know, tr pl trying to relocate or spent money in order to upgrade their position to get, I don't know, 
better internet or something in order to play remotely that they would no longer have the expense for. Remember that the contracts now are only 30 days minimum as well. So in theory, they could have negotiated for longer contracts. But like someone like fucking Adam coming from yeah. Australian contenders, you're telling me he was in such a fucking strong negotiating position at the fucking <laughs> the, the bargaining table that he's like, and you will give me seven months pay. No, yeah. he's he's taking some tiny amount of it. Surely, like the guy's not in a strong position, and if they've just sprinkled his fucking career away, that's that's some horse shit that they deserve to be called out for. Yeah, and that's, it's like these, like a player like Adam is a prime example of somebody who has been grinding for this specific opportunity for such a long period of time and to have it just like actually signed to get it removed and then not even get an opportunity to play, not even get an opportunity to like prove himself is awful. And then you think of other players like Agilities as well, like where he got kicked off to Toronto because the team's going in a different direction. He might not have had other opportunities, but now all of a sudden he doesn't get the, that choice anymore. No one's trying out. Everyone's filled all the roles. All the benches are set. Like, it's really sad to see if this is the direction. And I think the nail in the coffin that makes it so truthful is there is no reason why the Los Angeles Valiant would run out of China because they announced themselves that they're going to be competing out of China next yeah. year. Uh, sorry, this year. That makes no sense if they have their current management and their current roster. I know those people. I know the management doesn't make a, a sense at all. So I think that is the big like ace in the hole that really proves it to me that Valiant is making this move, at least in some capacity. Yeah, this this was the announcement from the Valiant where they said they were excited to join NYXL and Philadelphia Fusion. I, I saw this and I assumed that they were working out some sort of system where they were going to be getting Korean visas. They were going to be having a life, like living in an area where COVID isn't quite as mm. crippling. Yeah. You know, I'm actually going to be able to... I mean, to they said they're moving to China in the, in the like, yeah. last sentence. Yeah. It's simultaneously local and global and moving to China for the 2021 season. I mean, that, so the ongoing pandemic is an example of how that structure is valued. That should have set people off. Life. I mean, it did. I think this was it after yeah. Halo announced it, wasn't it? No, this was before because everyone oh, was super confused before. for like 30 minutes. Everyone was like, why is I mean, this I don't happening? Think it, this doesn't I don't think make a lot any of that, sense. I don't think Americans can even get into China right now in terms of the visas, right? I don't know. I have no idea. Not sure, yeah. I don't know. But well, I mean, best case scenario to come out of this is that Valiant realize this is going to be horrendous for their PR and they try and like backpedal and then send their current players to China. Like, there's just no good solution. Even if they realize that they fucked up at this point and they try and backpedal, you've locked yourself into a hole. Like, you can't, can't send those guys to live in China for that long. If you've made the financial decision to move the organization to China, you are kind of obligated to pick up another team. And it's not that that is a bad decision in and of itself. If the LA Valiant had, at the beginning of this offseason, decided, yeah. we want to operate out of China, and therefore they drop their current players, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think, I think the fans might, but I don't, personally. I don't think that's a bad, unethical decision. I think doing it after the roster deadline is yeah. locked and everyone else has yeah. stopped looking for players, that's the part that's absolute horse shit. Yeah, I mean, this happens in sports, right? Like, this is business, after all. 
and the owners will look at their investments, their their wealth, the organizations they have equity in, and they'll be like, this investment is not paying off for me right now, or like I would like to reallocate some of my portfolio, or you know, invest some of my money or you know what I what I have into other stuff, you know. And that happens in sports. Like sometimes people sell uh, basketball teams or NFL teams, you know, like that just happens. That's part of running like a franchise leagues. Um, so I agree with you that like we we should as fans grow accustomed to the fact that some of these teams might change ownership, which means a change in direction and like how we do things, because as we said, it's a global league, which means that you have the opportunity to do these kind of things, right? But I agree with you in the end that this was a poor way to go about it, very suboptimal. And also, I don't think there's any precedent for this, or obviously there's no precedent for this in the Overwatch League, which means that the player contracts are kind of scuffed in this way because there should be some kind of like parachute for them you know i don't think i don't i don't know how it works for like big corporations and like people have parachutes and stuff to like to get some salary after they've been um left off obviously not for everyone but um i i think the league should make some kind of changes moving forward so if these situations happen then the players just aren't just like thrown away well, they... like they're nothing they previously did, though. In, in previous seasons, if you decided to drop a player, you had to pay, I think it was like the majority of the, the rest of their season contract, if not the entirety of the rest of the season contract. I can't remember yes. exactly how much it was. I, I can speak on that because I actually had that. I had, a, I had a contract going into last season, and it was becoming a thing. If, if I didn't retire like officially, then I was still on a contract with Valiant. It was either going to be I was going to play on that team or if... Um, if Valiant didn't want me and they didn't want me to like play out the season, they were going to have to pay out my contract. There is the negotiation of Valiant is like, hey, we'll give you 60% and then we'll like come to an agreement for whatever reason of like, you know, we'll give you a streaming contract, stuff like that. But legally, I think the players are entitled to their entire contract well, unless well. they are, uh, well, well, were, but nothing's changed for the players, right? The players no, should no, be no, they... able to keep it. No, well, the thing is, this season, they, they added the 30-day um, contract stuff, right? I think this was the first year. I think this, this stuff was reported really early on in the year where they, I think it was during the off-season tracker article or something like that, where they said there were some changes to the contract structure this year, one of them being this 30-day um, minimum contract where if you, if you are terminated, you know, if they decide to cut you, They'll, they pay out a minimum of 30 days pay instead of it being the entire season. The idea being that flexibility is incredibly precious right now because of COVID. You know, some people might not be able to play. So, you know, some people, whatever, they, they can't attend an event or whatever the reason might be. There, it was, as I understood it, it was the league trying to give the teams more flexibility with the contracts because the teams required it to operate during the stresses of COVID. Now, the problem is people abusing it. That's what I think yeah. this is. This isn't, a, this isn't a normal usage of that rule. This is the worst possible time to try and invoke this kind of, this kind of thing. Like, th this, to me, isn't the league enforcing bad restrictions in the contracts. This, to me, is the organization misusing some component of the contract and it's on the fan base and on the public to create a PR backlash for them not to do these kind of things in the future. Like this, this to me is where like you, you pay, you, um, what do you call it? You vote with your wallet kind of thing where you, you 
if you don't like the way that a company operates, if you believe that it's acted in some unethical manner, you don't necessarily need to regula regulate. You need to have the consumer actually decide whether or not they want to support that company anymore. I feel like that's the kind of thing that is going to end up happening here, whether people call for it or not. It's just that people are not going to want to be fans of the Valiant as much anymore. Yeah. After they've just screwed I mean, over their who, players. Who was going to be a fan of them? If, if this well, I mean, if, if, hey, if they pick up a Chinese roster, you know, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen, but if they pick up a Chinese roster, what's to stop Chinese fans becoming fans of the Valiant moving forward? You know, like uh, maybe yeah, someone think... who doesn't live in uh, Hangzhou or uh, Guangzhou uh, or Chengdu. Sure. Yeah, I think I think they'll have. I mean, assuming all of it is correct, I think they'll have Chinese fans, but they've they've spent so many years building up a loyal fan base of Valiant fans. Yeah. So many years. Like, yeah. it, it, it was uh, the Valiant, as you know, as long as I can remember it as an org, has always marketed itself as the inclusive team, accepting of everyone. Um, yeah. You know, good, doing good charity efforts. They have spent Great years events. trying to build themselves up as a good brand, a good inclusive team. Which I mean is, I'm not even going to get into it actually. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's if if this all comes out and these players are getting fucked over, it's so. Uh, yeah, it's so disappointing, I think, uh, just overall. Yeah, but also, again, whenever we're talking about this, we're assuming that it's all correct, and we're assuming that it all plays out in, like, the worst possible world for the Valiant, and they don't defend themselves, and they just fuck over the players, and they're, like, some sure. evil tycoons that are just yeah. running off to China with the money. <laughs> but, but Well, I think, okay... This might be a hot take, okay? I might, I might just go off here. But going into the last season as well, we were in a not in a similar position where obviously they, like they weren't moving to China or anything, but we had that whole thing where they were like, "Hey, we're gonna save money and like we're not gonna spend too much," and they made a statement about it. And we then are not that's broke. We had, we yeah, we're we're not broke. broke. But then like we had such low expectations of the team. That's why everyone thought that Valent would be twentieth because they literally just picked up a bunch of like random players and obviously. Yeah. Packing 10, Gunba, they're geniuses. Their scouting is incredible. They got a good team. Costa vouched for them the entire way. He was right. And obviously, they got great performances, right? But still, there was that ownership part of it that was like, they're not spending any money at all. And they're literally just trying to get by. So they signed for, like, players for probably, I'm assuming, minimum pay based on the names they got and the reputation they had, et cetera, and like where they signed them from, right? Maybe they like someone got paid, I don't know. But I think this is not the first time that Valiant ownership or management has like kind of tried to pull something like this off. But yeah. in general, I agree with Bren that I think the people working for the Valiant and like putting on these community events, building the brand, I think that has been phenomenal. Even since day one, 2018, I think Valiant has been one of the most like fan loved brands in the league because they're able to put on such amazing events and like build a brand uh for their team and really be inclusive like you say so i still think that despite all that it's not the first time that the ownership group has tried to cut costs like this and i think yeah. that we're finally they're finally like getting the rough part of it where pe fans are like hey what's going on like you can't just do this uh, i i want to sort of just like air out my like dirty laundry of valiant because like obviously i've go. worked at i've worked at Here's this here 
of i've worked at this organization i know the people that are making these decisions i know the people that are like doing this kind of stuff and you say all these awesome things were created by the valiant and they were the people that have worked at the valiant were incredible the content team the the like coaches and all that kind of stuff the players all the fans it's been they've built such an incredible thing and that's why this comes off as just like a big middle finger to everybody who's done anything for this organization if it is true because they're literally throwing it away like anything that existed over the last few years is now gone and I honestly think it goes back to like Noah Winston. Like he was the heart and soul of esports and he did like to build and he did make this. And ever since they've sort of gone in this more corporate style, they've just been cutting costs year after year, making decisions that are yeah. less important towards esports and the competitive integrity and you know what we all love, which is like supporting video games, inclusivity, all that kind of stuff. And just going more to just how are we going to either make or lose the least, uh, sorry, make the most money or lose the least amount of money. And that just seems to be what it is. And this would be that like final nail in the coffin for the brand. If this happened, like I'd, I've been a stand for the Valiant for the last year, even with the decision to sort of like not be broke and go budget. I've stand them. I've tried to like hype them up. I've tried to build them up, but this would be it along with a lot of other fans, I'm sure of this is like the end of the ride. And I'd be really disappointed if this is the end because I yeah. don't think they lived up to their full potential. I, what, I, what I was going to say though, when I said we're assuming that the worst of this situation is one of the problems with not fully investigating a story when you announce it the way that Halo has done is that you don't get the detail. And, and the, the detail here could be really important. Now, it might not be. Like, Valiant might just have acted horrifically and everything that we say might be true. But you also have to accept that there's a possibility that, like, I don't know, Valiant told the players in advance and has been shopping them around. Doesn't seem like, from the, like that from the player tweets, but it's possible. that The Valiant might have, like, some, I don't know, severe money issue and therefore they have to do this. And there was, like, some... I don't know, outside pressing factor why they had to make the decision right now. It, it's, it's difficult to say with certainty that it was a deliberately malicious timing for it when you have no idea because there, there, there are no details. I mean, there's, there's okay, very so little detail involved here whatsoever. We're jumping the gun a little bit, perhaps. Me especially. Maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit before we're at, they've actually announced things and we'll see how it plays out, right? But still... I blame the brand a little bit still because they, when they responded, they shouldn't have put out that vague tweet. They should have had someone in senior management come out and be like, hey, this is a serial, uh, a serious matter and let's address it. Why are we playing in Asia? And make a statement from like an owner yeah. or someone who is in a very senior position at the company. But yeah. instead, we got a tweet from the Valiant we don't know who tweeted out. I mean, obviously, like a social media manager or something and who they've been talking to before they put it out. But like, there's nothing that make me trust I mean, the process or the reasoning yeah. why Valiant are doing this. Like, why is not an owner from IGC coming out and being like, this is what's happening? Well, Ari, what's his name? Ari Segal? Ari, Ari Siegel. Ari Siegel. He, um, he was tweeting some stuff, but very vague things and mostly tangentially related to it as well um and he has been as far as i can tell kind of the spokesperson the figurehead for the new immortals group movement towards being i don't know i suppose profitable is the end goal mm -hmm. that's why they're not investing in esports teams so 
it's yeah i would imagine that they will put something out at some point but when you're involved in this kind of stuff like you need you need the if you're if you put yourselves in the valiant's position or at least the immortal at the igt's position you probably want the best scenario possible before you present the facts to people like they want to find out if any of their players actually get on teams they don't just want to you know release them into the wild and be like go free my pretties when you take a pokemon and you release it and you know you've actually just killed it but you, it says you've released it. That's kind of what Florida did, right? Where they were like, hey, we're trying to shop Logix and McRaven Twick. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you reminded me when you talked about the social media person. Did you see um, Paintbrush's tweet? Yeah, it's so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so good. But the thing is, I can see that being a scenario. If like... No, not, not with Where the actual the gun. gun. <laughs> <laughs> no. they, have, they have a gun to the social media manager's head. No, not with head. the actual gun, but I can see a scenario where this has, like, a decision has come... Again, i gotta, I got to preface all of this by saying the, con the details and context of what we're discussing and assuming, I mean, it, it's wishy-washy. We don't Very. know if any of this is true at all. Yeah. But... Uh, I can absolutely see a scenario. This fucking tweet is fire from Bayless. This Bush. is one of the best tweets of 2021 already. Yeah. It's fire. Did he play it with audio cam from the beginning? Is that possible? Oh, this, one second. This is so, so fucking good. good. But I can, I can see a poor social media manager literally getting a message from the top being like, yeah, shut it down. Yeah. It's like, what? And they're like, yeah, you've got to shut it down, but you can't say... Well, here's the wording. Yeah, is, I mean, is here's, what here's the wording, well. make the post. And yeah. the social media manager's like... I honestly, in these scenarios, I feel the worst for the social media manager as well, just Same. before we play this, because they get all of the ads. Like, their yes. phone is set yeah. up for the Valiant Twitter account, yep. and they are getting pinged, like, three times a minute with people just being like, you fucking bastards, you've ruined their careers, I fucking hate you. Yeah. And this poor social media manager is just doing their best. They're just a little person working in esports, doing their best to put out good content and everything being on schedule. They didn't have anything to do with the decision-making, and they are getting the fist from the community. And it's not like they can pass it on to their boss. Should They're not like, the, uh, hey, boss, look at all this hate we're getting. Should make the CEOs manage the social medias from now on. <laughs> that would <laughs> be their, great. Of the various brands. That, that, oh wait, one second. I want to add something as well. I know, like, I know people who have worked in social media. Fans, I know some of you are crazy, but please don't. Like, I know people who have gotten death threats over being the social media manager. They get them in the accounts and stuff like. Don't do that kind of stuff. It's awful for the scene. And think about the piece, person behind. They're not the ones making the decision as such. Yeah. So just yeah. chill. Yeah. Okay. I understand you might be upset at the valiant, but it's not their fault. Yeah. But but at the same time as well, I feel like it is right for the fans to express their anger over a circumstance like this and social media is one of the best places that you can do it it's just it, as long as it's not directed at the social media manager you know like don't slip into the dms and be talking about you know the the person specifically but it's it is right to show the company that you disagree with the the vision that they go for when they actually announce the vision <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. also if you're a social media manager don't take your organization's mentions personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck them. You know, Turn them I, off. Those yeah, bastards yeah, don't I, deserve I mean, you. They're, they're not at you, they're, you know, most likely. So, you know, I, I've been a social media manager for a little bit. Just, just, they're not at you, you know? They're, you know, you're just typing the tweets. They're, it's about the people <laughs> behind you. 
So just, I'm just the messenger. Can we look at this meme. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah sorry. We, we, we stand messengers in here. Let's watch the meme. I want to see it again. Write the fucking tweet. <laughs> I said. Okay, write okay I'll, I'll write the. I'll write the Good. tweet. Stop. Do you don't have to do this. Or you're gonna lose your job just like everybody else. Okay. We would yeah. like to confirm yep. that this room is false. It's false. false. Nice. We are not, not broke. broke. I repeat, we're the of broke. We are Maybe we're broke, not, we're not broke. broke. Good. That's good. good. Okay. No. Can I keep my job? No. no. <laughs> legendary <laughs> meme. Actually, legendary. Um, I also posted another uh, link in the live chat as well for you, Kurt, because. It, people who are following the news around esports will realize, if you scroll up to the top, sorry, that this is an article on uh, Bloomberg, the technology portion, from November of last year. And it's... Yeah, I just blocked that. What in the... Oh, my God, we're doing live hacking. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, this is... Um, so this is, this is a report um, about the Immortals group looking to sell their Overwatch team. And this is back in November, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Immortals Gaming have also agreed to sell a Call of Duty team, and they're exploring options for their Overwatch League team, including the possible sale of all or part of the franchise. So that's the other thing as well. You could sell part of the franchise, and in, in theory, what the Valiant tweeted could still be semantically correct. Now, we haven't sold it all actually we just sold a majority share like <laughs> they really it feels like they're just being a prick on on twitter uh, when they're when they're denying the rumors like i know that if it is wrong it is wrong and halo used the wrong wording and fucked up pretty big time when it comes to like something big like this but if you're just gonna have a blanket denial that doesn't give any extra information you've fucked up yourself because you're just making it look worse and worse and worse Anyway, the, the rest of it is um, talking about the strategic shift for the owners, the IGC, uh, because the IGC, Immortals Gaming, intends to focus less on city-specific teams and more on businesses related to online gaming, such as Gamers Club, which is a subscription service in Latin America which connects video game players. Um, and it is... It, it, they've realized that there's money to be made in selling gaming stuff, and not in owning esports teams. And so th this is just part of their long-term shift. Like Custer was talking about, the like whole shift in dynamic for the entire company. Uh, Ari Seagal, Seagal, is it Seagal, really? Seagal, Ari Seagal, yeah. Ari Seagal says here, we've enjoyed strong growth in our non-team asset portfolio, which basically means everything that isn't owning teams, mm -hmm. and are excited to leverage a strong balance sheet. We're excited to make some fucking money and focus our energy, time, capital, and other resources on these aspects of the business. We want to spend time on stuff that actually makes us money, so we're kind of trying to bail on the whole esports component of it. He added that the company will continue to invest in some esports teams. So, yeah, that's... it. But, again, this business side of it is not the problem. The problem is the timing. The timing and fucking over your players' careers is the, is the mm -hmm. wrong part of it. 
Yeah, I yeah. think this is like the death of Immortals as like, you know, Immortals has been around for how many years, like as like an esports organization. It just seems like over the last few years, it's been going in a completely different direction. And I don't think we'll see Immortals be that sort of like, you know, top tier esports organization that it used to be in the past. Yeah. Sad times, to be honest. Yeah. I very, mean, very yeah. sad times. Do you, I, I really hope that some of the Valiant players at least get picked up. Like, for example, someone like KSP or someone oh, like Shax yeah. in particular, I hope yeah. that people if, can find spaces on their roster for them. They are, those two in particular, though the rest of the team as well, they did really well last year compared to expectations of them. They, they, they performed well enough easily to be in the Overwatch League. But yeah. under these extreme circumstances, KSP and Shax, KSP in particular, they're still good enough to get picked up, I think if people can shuffle their numbers around and they haven't already found that spot. It, Those guys are too if, talented to not play. Yeah, if it this, would just absolutely. be a tragedy. If this ends up coming out as all correct in terms of this, the story that we've been telling, at least on this show, which it could still not be, um, because again, we don't have the full details, uh, a team could get some serious goodwill from just picking up some of these players. But... Not even thinking about a goodwill. You can pick up some seriously good players yeah. who are proven, yeah. um, who have obviously, in this scenario, um, not had the best of times. But yeah, I think uh, that, that is the worst aspect of it, Josh. The, the one that you keep iterating, which is just the timing of all of this, is could not be worse. Couldn't be worse. Could not be worse for a decision like this. Also, how is it even... This is another portion that we haven't even got into at all. How is this move even in compliance with the league regulations. Like, it's past the signing deadline to have seven players on your roster. How can you just get rid of seven players and reportedly still be in the process of building a new roster? Like, how does that, how does that even work? Like, th well, these are all I, the I details think... that we don't have access to yet, but it's... I would not like happening? to jump the gun on that because I'm sure we'll get an explanation as to how or why it does work that way. I don't think... You know, no, knowing John as well, and I'm just, um, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I think, I think he'll also kind of like, you know, be like, here's how this happened, or you know, like, here's how they yeah. pull it off, like something like that. Like, and you I know, don't what, think, what, I don't think here's what I'll say about your worst like, No, I, I don't. Situation. I don't think so either. I can see how maybe some not. people might I, draw that I just that think it will a tightly knit community, and I think there will be questions that ultimately have to be answered. And maybe it won't be John. Maybe it will be someone else. I think we're just going to get clarification. I don't think it's going to be the case that things will just happen and will be left clueless. I think yeah. one way or another, where it's a journalist, John, someone in the community will like explain, you know, what's happened here. I don't want to jump the gun and uh, on on that. In particular, yeah. but yeah, I just no. have questions. It's not that I think there's been some like I think we all do <laughs> wrongdoing by the by yeah. owl. I just have questions. Like it's such a confusing yeah. situation as to how it even occurred. Anyway, yeah. we can we can talk about something else. Um, some some signified news, some actual news, solidified mm. cement. We got the foundation being laid. Here it is. J Mac becoming a coach. There it is. Yeah. I mean, he's already been coaching uh, teams in the gauntlet. And apparently, he was yeah, really? mega hardworking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know whether you saw that. Well, no, you don't. You're a fucking hermit monk <laughs> that lives in a forest. You don't partake of social media. But there's a Reddit post, I want to say, like a month ago. Might have been less than that, though. Later, I think. I think it's older. Really? 
Because it uh, was around the gauntlet, right? Were you talking about the essay that J Mac yes, wrote? Yes, yeah, yeah. It was literally players? like yeah. a, a, I want to say like a sixty. Oh, I did hear about this. Sixty yes, like page, a 60 page Google doc essay, right? Yeah. Or like the Google doc that J Mac made. Okay, well yeah. that rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so basically the report from the team was just that he was incredibly hardworking and diligent, and had been one of the primary reasons why that team had been successful. Jesus. Oh, there we go. There you go. There we go. Uh, for dark mode, I couldn't remember what the name of the team was, but there we go. Uh, why is that? Yeah. 23,000 words. I don't know how long that is, but it feels very long. Well, it's I, quite long. Yeah. I think I had to write like a, a big project and it was only 10,000 or 15,000 or yeah. something. So. God damn. His brain must be massive. But I also, can't even fit that many words in. It's the, kind of, it's the kind of thing that seems impressive, but I can't imagine a good coach ever doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I did get that impression, but I didn't want to shit in his cereal. Well, yeah. You I, know? If the dark mode guy said he was effective, then that's the best judge of whether or not he's effective. Sure. But that's like a weird way of coaching, is writing a big essay and asking people to read. I assume that that was like, he wrote it all down and then was summarizing and chunking it for maybe, them yeah. and maybe you know, talking them through it and stuff. I don't really know. Regardless, I am always pleased to see players moving into like the coaching position. Um, as we all know, coaching is my passion. I like to talk about it a lot on this yeah. podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see another player kind of moving into the role, or at least it being solidified into the Overwatch League itself, because that is uh, the kind of flow of information, I suppose, the trickle-down effect. You start to see J-Mac as a player probably has been coached in the past, I'm assuming, and uh, he probably knows what makes a good coach, that's which good, is how you get good coaches. That's a good question, actually. Who was J-Mac coached by? Um, J-Mac was on the London Spitfire, coached the, by Agape, and was Pavane there remember. at that time? I, I think I, I think Pavane oh, might have been remember. there at the very start, but left early or something like that. that God, I can't remember. Brings a bell to me as well. Yeah, I don't Plus know. I was misremembering as well. Anyway, I'm interested to see what he does with them. He's got a challenge there, though. Yeah. A, really a challenge. Not because the Paris players are bad, but because like they're going to be playing on high ping and you know, might not be able to make it to the stage finals or whatever. We don't really know what the situation is with that. So it'll be interesting to see what, he, what he's able to put together. Yeah. Nothing else to add, lads. <laughs> No, no, I, no, I mean, I, I, mean, I think this will be a similar case to Roar, like for yeah. Washington Justice, perhaps. Obviously, you know, I don't want to paint them with the same brush, but I think, you know, it's like players moving into assistant coach roles. I, th I think, you know, me and Costa, we've said numerous times on broadcasts, it's just like, even if you're a former player, just having like a nice, like different perspective can really just help a player out enormously. Because when you scrim, as much as we do and you you get into like routines you get into like a set of habits that's really hard to break through like you play this meta and i'm a main tank i'm winston these are my jumps i do these same jumps every time on every map uh, and you just get into like a weird set of habits mm -hmm. and and you carry that perspective with you but having someone a, a pro player who's uh, who you respect, being able to break down those habits and break down that perspective and provide you ulterior perspective really just helps make you a more complete player. So I, I think, you know, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think there's much more to add to it than I think that J-Mac will be able to provide that different set of perspective to these players and is a great acquisition as an assistant coach. So I think it's great overall, runs out the Paris Eternal coaching staff and I'm I'm just 
excited to hear what the players have to say about him and obviously we've seen now from the post as well about what he did writing down all those words and feedback for dark mode and a and the gauntlet like that's going to be really helpful maybe you don't need to do all your analysis in like google documents and like type stuff out to players like that but it proves that he'll be able to contribute in a way to the Paris Eternal, which I think will be very helpful for mm -hmm. Paris Eternal this year specifically. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to hear about it because I think it'll be on par with the Roar going into playoffs for Washington Justice. Just like this guy who's in the background, contributing a ton. You never hear about him because he's an assistant coach and like he doesn't get to be in the limelight. But I think I think it's big. I think it's big. Yeah, I, I'll... I do want to just talk about like I think there is this massive hurdle that I think a lot of professional players don't realize when you're going into coaches that just because you understand the game doesn't know you, mean you know how to explain it and teach it or sort of like help other players improve but as an assistant coach who has a professional at least when I was a player talking to people that you know have been in the same seat as you and giving more perspective it sort of gives you that extra mindset as Johnny was saying so I'm I'm always happy to see a professional player going to coach and at least he looks like he's enjoying it. You write that many words, you have to enjoy it in some capacity. So <laughs> yeah. happy for him. And I uh, hope, he, hope he does great things because Paris, like that's a hard roster. It's more like European based. There isn't that many uh, Korean players, at least not compared to last year. So I'm excited to see how he uh, meshes and succeeds. God, can you imagine if he doesn't like it and he's just doing, he's just doing the slog because he want, really wants a job? And he's like, God, I've really got to hit 23,000 words. Otherwise, no one will pick me up. And he gets, to 20, he gets to 22,991. And he's like, I don't want it enough. I don't want it enough. <laughs> Maybe that was the requirement. Yeah, possibly. The essay word requirement. Dark mode have just been sat there with the whips. just like, Guys, I've got my 23,000 word essay and I'm watching Twitch. Jesus. <laughs> The uh, sometimes I feel like my hosting style I've just realized is like a town hall meeting, and I'm a, mm. I'm the council member next on the docket. <laughs> is oh, but Dosin and who are you <laughs> retiring? They're they're retiring apparently from professional play. Um, again, another end of an era. I think you're going to start to see this. I think more so from we've already had so many retirements, right? But from last year to this year. Understandably so. I think it's been a particularly hard year for a lot of these players involved. But Dosin, I mean, this guy was a league champion. Um, uh, yeah. Alongside Who Are You? And Who Are You was a player who had, I think, quite a tremendous amount of hype behind him. Never quite realized, I think, um, or materialized yeah. into the results. But even still, two legendary players that we're seeing uh, retire. Now, presumably, they're moving into content creation. No, I think actually Vadosin no. said he was going to completely delete his social media accounts and just kind of yeah yeah live life like Bren. Interesting. Becoming a surf that. instructor. A lot somewhere. of respect from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Vadosin also leaves with like a cloud of kind of confused feelings from a bunch of fans. I was reading the Reddit thread about this as well. And about half of the people involved were like, seemed like a bit of a shitty person. Like there was a bunch of the stuff of like him harassing Sebi or being ranked was like one thing that kept cropping up. And I know that he had a reputation for being a bit like toxic as well, just in his natural interactions with people. I don't, mm. again, don't know because I never actually talked to the guy because I don't speak Korean. It's so difficult to actually get a feel of a player personality when you don't speak the language. Um, but yeah, there's there's uh, that kind of stuff that mars the legacy a little. Just to, uh, just know, to put an extra dampener to it all. <laughs> oh. Sorry, what go a on, depressing Costa. episode. Uh, 
Well, it's for me, it's like I think these are both incredibly mechanically talented players. Like, who are you? Was historically one of the greatest Genjis and flex DPS players to play in the yeah. game during his peak. But he also had a massive falling out with Lunaticai. And then when he did come of age, he joins, you know, MYXL and he just never really meshed with that team. He never really got the play time, which was always confusing. So I think he really struggled to find his place. And same thing with Bedosin. Obviously, he won that championship with the London Spitfire. But since then, he's had like almost like a steady decline of like impact in games and sort of play time as well. So I think two players that sort of had their sort of hit their peak, but haven't really been able to get back to that and sort of calling it quits at this point. Yeah. It's pretty unfortunate that Who Are You wasn't older. I know that that's yeah. a dumb thing to say. Why is, where's this going? Because <laughs> what the fuck no, do I mean, you like, think what, it's going? But what do you mean by older? Because normally when you say, when pro players are going into esports, I don't know where your mind's at, Josh, but I don't like it. No, I don't like where yours is at. When, when people, because normally when you're in esports, like it's associated with like a young man's game, you know? Right. It's like you want to yeah. be young for the reaction times. Well, the, the reason have that drive. The reason I say I wish it who are you was older when he started was because I feel like he is the classic example of the player that wasn't able to hit his peak sure. in Owl because he spent too long being under 18 playing in contenders and he kind of hit the he, he kind of <laughs> he peaked and had to be benched in like 2017 yeah. before and yeah. he was yeah. 16 at the time i think right so somewhere around there yeah that is that is absurd and that's the kind He's of guy 19 that 19 now yeah guy still yeah. so fucking young actually if, <laughs> that's what i'm saying if if he had been if he in the second year of competition had been able to play in the structure of an owl environment, or if he was a player that was, yeah. you know, he was beginning his career now and he had all the talent that he has now, but none of the past experiences of playing on other teams, I think he'd be moldable into something great. He, you know, he's got all the talent that's there, but he spent too long in the quagmire of uh, tier two yeah. where he didn't quagmire. really. Yeah. That swamp? Yeah, like a yeah. swamp. Yeah. yeah. Quagmire? Yeah. 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 Sounds like a I think Pokemon. it's Quagmire, isn't it? <laughs> I think there is a Pokemon called Quagsire or something, right? That's like a. I think there's something like that. Quagmire. Well, yeah. Uh, like, on Josh's point, I want to like throw in there as well. Imagine if Who Are You was able to go for, with Lunatic High to Soul Dynasty in season one. Imagine if you paired him with Fletter and they had all the original Lunatic High. I think that team could have been, like, he could have been that catalyst for this team to be something special as well. So, you know. It's, you know, obviously we had like other people fill that role, but who are you? Like, I don't, I know Johnny can agree with me when we were in apex in 2000 and I don't know when it was 17 or whatever it was like, who are you was just terrifying. But when I got there, everyone's like, have you played against who are you yet? And I'm like, no, should I be terrified? And they're like, yes. And he was terrifying to play against. I've never been one tapped by a Genji so many times in my life as an Anna. And he was just that next level player who just never really, as you said, hit that peak when it mattered. Was yeah. I there? Was I washed up already? <laughs> was I washed yeah, up we, already? We, you were there with Fnatic. It was uh, Envious, Rogue, Fnatic, and we were all washed. And uh, and Misfits maybe. And we all sucked. <laughs> and we all got owned. It was that was like that was the fall of the like the West in Overwatch yeah. as Apex like we slowly got You would return to Apex after the West had like yeah. won the first tournament in Korean. In, ever like, in, in Korean in, history. In, I don't think it was ever. Yeah, was it, it was. Yep. It was the first time yeah. a Western team had ever come to Korea and won a tournament. Yeah, that's why that's why Monty was creaming his pants. Yeah. Huh. 
It never been but done. I think have Western players not won in StarCraft tournaments? Not before no. then. In no, Korea? No. Not in Korea. Okay. It I was think, momentous. I think they've won it was like, like serious history. I, I think I think they've won like B tournaments. I mean, I'm guessing here, right? But like the premier creme de la creme world champion number one, because that was what Apex season one was, right? Yeah, you know, I that mean, was like the best competition of yeah. all time. If you I look mean, at like Achilles Starcraft, might have sure beaten like Huck, Naniwa, people like that have done something. Yeah. They, no, no, but they've never won. I, I don't think Huck and Naniwa ever won Code S in StarCraft 2. Like, no, I don't think Code that's S, but there's like Code A and stuff, right? I oh, mean, yeah, but, yeah, but who wants to win Bro, a 2-2 tournament? Like, I don't know. The, I just, exactly, that's what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we never won like the creme de la creme shit. This is actually Wolf's area of expertise. Wolf's listening like, Oh, no, so much. <laughs> He's losing his mind. Yeah, Wolf knows so much you about puny the fools. Of Korean esports. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, yeah, whatever. We've not said much our more piece. to say. I mean, the, the the thing is as well. I think there's been a lot of scenarios where a player like Who Are You, who I think has always, I mean, 19 is so fucking young. It this is, guy could yeah. literally do anything he wants still to this day. And yeah. I wonder how much of that is that like mental block of the failure of the of the kind of like introduction to the Overwatch League that he had. Yeah. You know, the hype coming into it and that kind of stark drop off. But he could literally, I mean, if he wanted to, I feel like could dive into a new game, a fresh start. And we know that he's mechanically skilled. We know yeah. that he yeah. could compete at a high level. Um, and on the side of Bedosin, I feel like it, uh, yeah, my opinion kind of mirrors what yours is, Custer, where we saw this guy with the highest of peaks and then it was just a steady drop off despite Soul's performance last season, even though I don't think that's a good metric to measure as measuring by because it was so inconsistent but yeah it's uh it's it's always sad to see the players retire but it's a natural part of the kind of ecosystem mm -hmm. at the end i, of the I day. will say to end it i will say it probably sucked ass to just have to ride a bench and not be able to like fulfill your potential for that mm -hmm. long because i think that he, he 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 more than most in overwatch are kind of hurt by the fact that he was too young and couldn't really uh, yeah. play uh, for some of these teams because yeah. that's what happened to flower as well and i'm not saying that both of them suffered the same fate but the fact where like people knew that who are you and flower were so talented that they wanted to jump the gun and sign them before they were eligible to play and they just had to ride the bench for like a year or two and it's yeah. like it, it's sort of like playing online you know it's just like you get into competitive play to really participate on stage play the big matches front of a crowd and all that and just being just sitting on the bench and just like waiting to become eligible uh, eligible that does things for your gameplay as well like it affects your motivation how you practice all of that stuff um play time in practice so i i really do think that there is an alternate uh world where like who are you is actually like a god tier player I'm not saying that he, he would be like the mvp or anything but like he's a legitimately great player in the league and he fulfilled his potential and he's still playing in the league. I definitely think there's a version of For You that is that. Um, it's just a shame that we didn't get to see it. And I think that's with Flower too. But, you know, that's just kind of how it went. Is, are there any other players that came into the league as these guys have just eight, turned 18, huge amounts of hype around them, and it didn't work? Because I can only really think of Who Are You and Flower. Do you guys think of anyone else? Um, I mean, we had Gator and Hawk. People were saying like they were like incredible, but, but then they, they were, were like, they didn't good. turn eighteen, did they? Maybe well, Hawk started uh, contenders. Yeah, I don't. Thinking of players who turned, yeah. who were going to turn eighteen. You got they, Sparkle. Like, he yeah. was a success. No. Absolutely. Alarm. Hawk is nineteen. So Hawk I mean, is nineteen. I, I yeah, think maybe there was Hawk just turned eighteen. Um, 
I would say, well, you know, no, never mind. Not going to go there. There's probably no. some obvious players that we're just forgetting. Yeah, I think we're probably yeah, forgetting I, people. I but I'm, I was just struck then by the thought that Who Are You and Flower were both on NYXL. And yeah. maybe there was just some systemic problem there that fucked them up. I mean, NYXL have failed to get results. I mean, that team was get, the definition of stagnant. Yeah, they, they failed the to get wins time. out of a roster that looked potent for a long time. Yeah. Like maybe there was a systemic problem that kind of ruined Who Are You and uh, Flower more so than them just... You know, the problem being internal. It's, it's so hard to know. Yeah. I don't think they're ruined. And also, also I, I think... <laughs> no. Their Overwatch to careers add, were kind of, though. To add to that conversation as well, it's like sometimes when you sign ineligible players and waiting for them to turn 18, they don't have to be, like, star god-tier players. They could just be, like, future potential good players of the league, right? And I think that's what happened when you see some of the signings that people did make to players like, for example, Sharp. You know, they signed him before he was eligible because oh, they were right. like, this yeah. is going to be an Overwatch League player. We're confident in that. Atlanta Reigns signed Saucy as well because they're like, oh, hey, you know, oh. like, he's not god-tier, but, you know, yeah. he's a great player. We want him on our team because we know he's going to be good in the league. Um, so just because you sign in ineligible players, mm. you know, they can still be great pickups in the Overwatch League. I think no. what, what I wanted to underline with Who Are You and Flower was like back then in 2017, in 2018, their reputation was so high yeah. and people thought they'd be like the next big thing. And like mm -hmm. the pressure on Flower was immense. And I think that's the difference with like they had that pressure on them. And they couldn't even play or prove themselves or get the practice time required to really fulfill that potential in the first place. And that's when it gets difficult as yeah. a player. I, I do wonder, though, I think we might be under something as well with it being like a systemic issue, given that I think Sparkle had the same expectations placed upon him. Yeah. This player in terms of hype, raw yeah, hype coming say. in, when we were like literally carrying down the days until he was eligible to be played. Uh, and Alarm, I would say as well. And though. Alarm. But yeah. the yeah. one thing I can say about those teams safely is that the structure they had was good. Yeah. They and, had good yeah. coaches. And Super and Sinatra. Yeah. Both well, came, yeah. came into the league, didn't Spaced. quite fulfill it at the beginning, but then did as soon as Krusty joined As soon as Krusty came in, you saw the potential yeah. being dragged out of them. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. It's, it seems like it would point towards that direction. Anyway, we can, we can leave this topic behind because news on the horizon. Johnny... I saw your eyes lighten up when you were writing this one. You're so what? pleased. Well, not really quite lighting up, but I think you've got like a Pavlovian response to the word rascal because, oh, you're, yeah. you, you know, you just want to oh. see him. You just want to see this boy and Al, but he oh, came out with sad. some information on stream. Uh, I believe this is on stream, wasn't it? Yeah. He was just detailing yeah, essentially like his, his process, his trial process, or like the teams that he was getting offers for, but maybe didn't want to compete. Um, but yeah, he just basically detailed what is going on with Russell. I, this is what an interesting format. It really is very interesting formatting, isn't it? I yeah. feel like English is not this guy's first or this person's first. Uh, Look at the username. Language. What is the username? Church of Krusty. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It oh, might be them. they might have formatted it on mobile and it fucked up. Yeah, which maybe. could it does happen occasionally. Yeah. Um, but I can yeah, see this being so, Korean format. Uh, because they have their uh, Korean forum, it could be. Yeah, yeah, it uh, could, be. Like could, be. could be. Yeah, so, let's wildly so speculate said, about the format. Of the so he, had, he had offers, um, but Weibu? didn't expect. He had know. coaching offers, um, but was sad he could be a player slash coach. I don't really understand that. I, I guess just basically he didn't want to be a player coach is okay. how I've yeah. interpreted that. He had Valorant offers, which is interesting, yeah. um, but also not surprising. Um, and he said that he thinks his passion for Overwatch is going, which I, I think is 
it's sad but understandable um, at the end of the day for a lot of these players. Um, uh, that he's going to stream from time to time. We've got contenders offers. I, yeah, I mean, I think that would be incredibly, a diff a, incredibly difficult for a rascal of all people to go back to contenders yeah. again. He's already been there after once. He was, yeah. or he was in Owl, went back to contenders, worked his ass off, got a chance to play on the Shock, proved that he could compete in the, in the Overwatch League at the very highest level. And for him to have to go back, I think, yeah. Uh, him saying it would worsen his mental, I can absolutely understand that. But off a yeah. top dollar from Defiant, but it didn't work out. Th that's confusing to me. I don't really understand yeah. what that means, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I literally just don't know. Had a justice trial, but no reply, which presumably means he was part of the trialing process, but um, yeah. some miscommunication. See this, but I think it makes me worried about justice because they... I think they just did something again with Tuba, didn't they? Didn't they just they just announced a re-signing of Tuba? Yeah, yeah, they just announced the re-signing of Tuba. I'm worried if they weigh the trials that they did at the beginning of the season more than the proven, proven performances of Rascal. Sure. I actually yeah. I was watching Dogman's show, the, the sorry, the Dustin Bowerman show, where he was talking about Rascal. Actually, it's a, it's an interesting show if anyone's interested in. Esports, he has a bunch of different guests on and talks about uh, a range of topics. One of the things with Rascal was he thought the Rascal, I think he said, he didn't think Rascal was that important to the San Francisco Shock. He thought he was overhyped and his impact was overblown, which I, I drastically disagree with. Okay, he's also that, just trying to put out hot takes, you know? Well, yeah, like, course. I've seen the videos, oh, yeah. well, Dustin. Come on, buddy. You know, I, a bit too clickbaity, but I see what you're doing. I see. I the thing is like I like I'm not gonna say I 100% say think that he's overhyped. He's definitely had an integral role. Like in Goats, the success of the San Francisco Shock can't be under yeah, him. He huge. was like pioneered that. And then on Echo, when Echo first came to the thing, but I will say this: like Rascal, in my opinion, is not the be all end all flex DPS that like is like completely shocking that he can't like uh, find a thing. Like he has uh, like especially towards the second half of season three, like that we just saw. He didn't play, especially during a meta in which Genji was uh, super prevalent. He didn't end up picking up that role. He hasn't, like, in my opinion, shown a, like a ton of things. So I, I'm not saying he's overhyped. He's definitely a phenomenal player, one of the best flex DPS players we've had historically. But I, I'm not, like, completely bewildered that this that he hasn't been signed, especially if he's, like, as I said, he's been trying. And I don't... that. Big question mark for me is the Toronto Defiant one. It's like, how do you have a big offer for a team and then it doesn't work out? I'm sort of like, well, I, I don't really understand what his processes is. And if he's been given offers, he's just not accepting them. Or I, I, yeah. I assume that he is just waiting it out to see if he's feeling it out. He probably didn't want to play for the Defiant, right? You just play for the yeah. Shock. You don't want to go for a team that well, maybe, doesn't look quite as good uh, for the prospects. I mean, there, there could be other things as well in, outside of the money. I mean, maybe the... Uh, I, I don't even know, but like... Maybe they wanted him to move to Toronto and he doesn't want to move to Toronto. Yeah. And so yeah. it didn't work out for that reason. There are other reasons other than money sure. that it might not work out. I don't know what those would be off the top of my head, but there could be other things. I, I'm in a different boat to you though, Costa. I truly am bewildered why Rascal wouldn't be signed to one of these teams. Because when I think about like, I think there's, some, there's a bit of recency bias, I think, when we think about season three and his performance there. Because... For the first half of the season, he he was their May player. Like he was, he was the be all end all for yep. them when it came to their May, and and that was that was what they were relying on to get wins for them throughout the. I mean, I would say he was 
probably the best May. I mean, Ivy actually was incredibly good. But Rascal Just was let maybe me say second. that. Just let me. I'll I'll take responsibility for that <laughs> yeah. statement. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I like. I think sort of like what I'm trying to say is that um, he's a phenomenal player and he would fit on almost most teams. But I think we don't understand what the reasonings and the justifications are of why he's not accepting these offers from other teams. And maybe he is being he wants to play on just a set few teams and he just couldn't fill that role. And it's like right. that's because there are other phenomenal flex DPS players in the true, league that true. I would want or like they have already. So that's sort of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like yeah. Rascal would play on most teams and be perfect. Did you want to wrap up, Josh, before I go in? No, no, go, 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 <laughs> King, go. Let him go. So, so, so here's the thing. I surprisingly, I actually kind of agree with Costa that Rascal is not the be all end all of flex DPS player. I actually think it's a bit of a meme, you know, like it's fun how I, you know, did that copy pasta about Rascal and just shouting <laughs> about him, etc. That being said, I still think his May was phenomenal, and I think the reason. Uh, to counter Custis' point, we didn't see him play Genji too much, was because I think Krusty made that interview after the tournament where he was like, we didn't really buy in on Genji as the meta, where we wanted to rely on Striker playing Tracer at the time, and so we just shied away from that. So I actually think that Rascal would have played more Genji and had more opportunity if he wasn't on the San Francisco Shock in that period, in that meta, because I think his Genji was good enough. It just so happens that they are the San Francisco Shock, and they had so many other opportunities to literally compete with the likes of Paternal. It came down to one fight, playing non-meta, well, it kind of was meta, but they were playing Striker and Tracer. Like, they didn't buy into Genji, and they were one fight away from making it to the finals in the... Uh, it wasn't the main melee, it was a summer showdown, right? Summer showdown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like that just tells you how good Shock are, that they don't have to buy into the Genji meta that much, and they can still put out great results. So that's not, you know, I'm not complaining about Krusty's approach here. I'm just saying that I think that Rascal would have seen more opportunity in a different team. Also, am, I, am I misremembering, or did they win the map that they actually subbed him in to play Genji on? That was in the uh, next tournament. Ah, when they, right, they okay. come, came back against the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, in the countdown oh, code. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Because you're right, they were right. like down or something and then they saw the rascal and he turned it around. Yeah, that's, that's part of the counter posta. But I do think that the thing about the statement that kind of like makes me happy though is that rascal is kind of like feeling it out. You know, he's doing what makes him happy. He's mm -hmm. had some offers. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, feel like he has to take them. He kind of want to feel it out the space, see what opportunities are. If there's nothing that really entices him, he might not accept it at all. But there is opportunity for him. So at the end of the day, we got some answers from Rascal himself, and he's been like, yo, I had some offers, you know, I wanted to get paid because I'm good at the game, but also I don't want to go play for teams I don't want to play for. So, you know, when a person does something like that, like they make decisions on their own, and they have opportunity, but they turn it down, you can't just be anything other than happy for that person for making those decisions for themselves in the first place. So, you know, it's a bit of a shame because I love to see him play, but if it makes him happy, go for it, King. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. all the best to him. All the best to him. Uh, another flex DPS player, or maybe main tank player, we don't know. Actually, we do know, because he's made a decision. Hydration <laughs> is apparently going to be playing DPS, right? Yeah. He's going to be back on DPS yeah. now uh, mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. Um, I feel like everyone already knew this. Yeah, but, but this is just being... Just 100% uh, confirmed. confirmed at this point. Yeah, I mean... Cool. I'm, I'm happy to see it. I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say other than this, other than I think that it was almost a um, like a, a band-aid solution to 
the Houston Outlaws roster problems where they wanted a different main tank player and Hydration was the only one who could step up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to DPS, I, I suppose, you know? I do want to add into that because like Hydration was one of the best flex Western DPS players, I think, like it, it hit before Overwatch League and before it really started hitting that hype up. When you're talking about these characters like Farah, Junkrat, and all that kind of stuff, he's like a specialist player that plays a lot of these niche heroes. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to this Houston Outlaws roster that isn't on main tank. Because I think that's where he really thrived. And I think if he's going to make a name for himself again, that's where it's going to be. Uh huh. Definitely. Agree. Absolutely. Plus, yep. I, I do think it was just 100% necessary for the Houston Outlaws to focus on you tanked you. Oh, God. Yeah. And you. You're already yeah. taking, in my opinion, you're already taking a bit of a risk with Django and Piggy. Like you, you think that they've got potential and they look good in contenders, but you, you're never quite 100% sure how they're going to play when they come into Owl. So like trying to throw one of them in with hydration occasionally playing ball or Orissa or whatever would have been a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. It would have been a dreadful decision. So this, it's not that this is a good decision. This was the only decision. <laughs> this this yeah. was never an option for them. So at the end of the day, where do we rank Hydration's tank career compared to the likes of him in the past, where we had Swoosh on main tank, Rijay Hong I, on Winston, and we've had Taimu uh, on Winston. Where I do we rank Hydration's one, tank right? career? Number one? Number one DPS to S would, go tank? Would you consider Seagull as well? Oh Diva? yeah, I guess if you can't see Considering the fact that Seagull kind of got shifted onto the D.Va role. Because... Mm. What was it? Because Mickey was on the toilet or something. I can't remember. Oh, no, no uh, wait. Wasn't okay, that the other no. way around? Was that Taimu? <laughs> no, no, no. So, Taimu no, was so playing Taimu tank because Coco was on the toilet. Taimu, no. Taimu was on the toilet. So, for, so then we needed Seagull to go to flex tank and Mickey went to the Winston while he was on the toilet or something like that. And then for that reason, we're like, yo, Seagull's Diva's pretty good. And like, we can get it, like, maybe it could be more consistent and like he can practice more. And then that worked. The time of Winston was a failed experiment, but the Seagull <laughs> Diva came out of Dallas Fuel thriving. So I, but I personally, I think, I think hydration was pretty solid. Considering yeah. the, if I'm, if I'm considering the general strength of the scene at the time when these players played, I think Seagull's, Seagull's Diva just never really saw the, we never saw the potential met. I think he was being held down. The shackles of Dallas Fuel were latching him to the floor. <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't he really rise. <laughs> but Hydration, yeah, out of all the players, pretty good Arissa, pretty good ball player. Like, he filled the role, yeah, you know? Yeah. He played Winston as well, right? Yeah, he did, yes. he did improve on Winston. I had a few watch point segments where I was like, yo, Custer, <laughs> Hydration's Winston, you know, improving. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> What's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about... Do we class Kuki as off-rolling when he's playing main tank now? You're just going to bring that in? You're just going to... Oh, no. Right now. <laughs> no? no, is he still... No. Off-rolling on the Lucio, was he? Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's probably I mean, the glad, best. Glad to see him back on DPS, at least, where, he can, where he can really shine. Our final, our final segment. Welcome back. Like, you, what, you're part of the DPS... What they call it, a Lumai? <laughs> yeah. Like you're part yeah. of fucking OGs? What the yeah, I'm, this I'm an dude? Overwatch League DPS alumni. God almighty. Yeah. Uh, last topic of the night. Of the, I say the night. I mean, if it is pretty late. You never know. You know, could be getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, tune in after this episode to Plant Chat Live. After, we'll dark. Be, after dark. Whoa. No, we're not doing that. We're absolutely not. Um, 
I'm going to bed. I got my mattress today. Nice. It's fucking lovely. Nice. It is great. Yeah. I had a little rest on that bad boy. It was, it's nice. The spring is firm. Huh? Uh, no. Do I want company? Brent's player of the week, Kurt. Uh, this week, I've decided to give my Brent's player of the week. Again, we need to, we're working on some new intros. I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but we are going to, eventually yeah, one day, we're going to yeah, record yeah. some new intros, yeah, some new green screen yeah. stuff. This week, I looked up the candidates. And honestly, I would say, in terms of the general news, it's been a pretty shitty week, I think, all things considered. So I was scouring the net. And I found something that's slightly promising. Some new news. This, this came out about, I think, uh, maybe like two hours ago now. I don't know. Kurt, if you could bring up the article for me. But once again, the scientific community. Oh, my, oh my God. The scientific oh. community is going to be winning my Player of the Week award once again for Oxford's research tackling the threat of antibiotic resistances. Mm. A very important, yet kind of... I think largely unknown problem that our society faces, which is antibiotic resistance. Mm. Um, this, this is a problem that's kind of plaguing us, already causes 1.5 million deaths per year. But uh, yeah, they're going to be doing more research into it. They're going to be uh, investing a lot of money into trying to tackle this problem and hopefully saving lives at the end of it. Yeah. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know what antibiotic resistance is, thankfully we have someone who is well versed in it, Sideshow. To explain true. to the wider people exactly what antibiotic resistance is. Yeah, true. Actually, it's where uh, it's where it's where they become resistant to antibiotics. You, you haven't forgotten, have you? <laughs> I, mate, I have forgotten everything. Okay, about let me explain research. antibiotic I, I resistance. I know what it is. Let me explain it to the people. On, I'll, I'll let you explain. Okay. It's becoming a real problem at the moment. When they discovered penicillin, they were like, "Ah, oh, cool, good, good." <laughs> What? Kurt, Kurt pulls up <laughs> random Fortnite dancers when my player of the week has no substance, no idea, no thought out plan. It's just me rambling for the end, just like a pitter off at the end. It's, it's not really sending it off with a bang. It's no. more of a like, whimper. you now know it's time to go make a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the end of the show. Bren is fucking rambling again. <laughs> yeah. Would you like your blanket, Bren? <laughs> but, but yeah, antibiotic resistance is when you take antibiotics and the bacteria that it's fighting off, essentially it's when you don't complete your full course of an antibiotic. And what ends up happening is uh, a certain, a small percentage of the bacteria ends up surviving because you didn't finish the whole course, which is why it's important that if you get prescribed antibiotics, or, or it's just when you take it when they're not required, because yeah. the more encounters that uh, bacteria have with antibiotics, the more likely they are to Become develop resistant. a strain that has resistance to it. Yeah. yeah. So to that end, if you get prescribed antibiotics, firstly, get a degree so that you understand, do I no, need that's, antibiotics? That's not necessary. If you're dying of a bacterial <laughs> infection, do not try and get a degree before you get treatment. Okay. That is awful advice. Well, Kurt's got Don't this up here. This is pretty good. Become your own doctor. So yeah, I mean, but the, the way it comes about is essentially the, one of the com most common ways, I think, actually the most common way I think is from them um, putting it in livestock feed to prevent infection. And essentially sure. they're just... Uh, they're creating super bacteria. Yeah, because it's just preemptive. They yes. don't, it's not like the, the cattle are actually coughing. They're not sick. They're putting it in there to prevent illnesses, and it's just making bacteria stronger. But aside from that, if you get prescribed antibiotics, finish your course, even if you're feeling better. 
Yeah. That's the important takeaway here. If they tell you you've got to take it for once a day, 30, 30 days, take it for all 30 days. Even if day 24, you're feeling better, the, the bacteria is still in you. You've got to kill it all off. Otherwise, it's going to come back stronger. M M N M R N. What's it called? M N M R N A. Yes. Oh, mRNA. Well, what, what is mRNA? What it's like you, a super bacteria, isn't it? MRSA. MRSA. MRNA is like a coding mechanism for like, um, it's not DNA, but it's See, it's he RNA. says, it's look at this little other, cow. This is a beautiful little cow. Stuff that makes up smaller proteins. My grandmother loves cows. Yeah? Yeah. Should we put not? together a little care package for her? Get a little cow or something? Yeah, let's send her a cow. No, not a cow, but like a little ornament. <laughs> yeah, let's send her some beef. How much no. is a cow? <laughs> I think they're quite expensive. Do we buy a cow? No. A Do you know what's could, a cool type of cow? You know the, the yaks, the long-haired... Mm, I think they're called Highland Scottish, Scottish Highland... Island cattle. Yeah, Scottish Highland cow. Type it in, Kurt. Please, can you bring it up? There's some beautiful... You can, you can find some wonderful YouTube videos, and these cows are lovely. Yeah, they're all over the, uh, the North Yorkshire moors, where I'm from. Really? Yep, they're everywhere. Because yeah, people people breed them. They're not they're not fucking native. They don't spring out the ground or grow on trees. But people, I thought they were really. I thought they were contained in. Uh, they're only well, allowed to exist in Scotland. In Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're a beautiful yeah. type of cow. I'm they fucking die of overheating everywhere else. The woolly bastards. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful type of cow. I mean, look at them. Just the, gorgeous. Yeah, the young are pretty cute. Anyway, I feel like this segment has dragged on long enough, and we have. Um, uh, uh, a cool concept for next week's show, don't we? You want me to tease the concept for next week? I think so, right? Are we, we're committed Are we, to doing it next we're week, doing aren't it? we? Let's do so. it. Yeah. We're doing it? We're committed? Yeah, let's do it. Johnny's got... Uh, we'll do something at the very least, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, even if we split yeah, it up we're, into we're two shows. something. I'm just waiting for you to announce the details because oh, okay. I don't even know yeah. how we're doing because it. it. I, we're, we're, you know, the logis- <laughs> we're discussing the logistics of whether it should be broken up into one or two episodes, but yeah. either way, you are going to get one or two episodes of this. Here's the plan. Doing it. This, this is the teaser. Episode 71, maybe 72 of Plat Chat Overwatch. Here's what you're going to be expecting. World Cup theory crafting episode. We're going to take eight yes, teams. Dude. We're going to theory craft the best current World Cup teams. And then at a later date, someone in the Plat Chat organization... You can do this. <laughs> You're not really doing much uh, at the moment. Thank you, Daddy. Can well, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to run Twitter polls off of the Plat Chat Valorant Twitter. You can pull, you, Kurt, if you want people. Valorant Twitter. Sorry, the Plat Chat, Plat the, Plat Twitter. the Plat Chat Twitter. <laughs> it's just, it's all Plat Chat. It yeah. doesn't really matter what game it belongs to. Um, which is, you can follow that at Plat Chat Podcast. I think that's the yeah. thing. Plat Chat Podcast. We're going to basically allow you guys to battle the teams against each other. We're not going to fly the players out. No, we're not but what taking we're them to Hawaii. Is, what we're going to do is we're going to put in a Twitter poll, Team Finland, Team South Korea. And team you, the people, are going to vote on which team you think would best the other in our game of mental gymnastics that we're putting on mm. until eventually we have one winner. And then in 2022, we will fly them out. <laughs> and we will play against them. And we will run the Plat Chat World Cup. <laughs> yep. The Plat Chat World Cup from Hawaii. <laughs> from Hawaii. And Johnny will finally get to go to Hawaii. We should, when, when I this... I've been to Hawaii. Hawaii is dope. I was there when I was like 11, dude. Oh, really? When I'd like to go. go back? It's yeah, incredible. I'd, I'd really God, like to go. I would pay money to see just a pale, lanky 11-year-old <laughs> I think Johnny Jonathan told the story on Fortnite yeah. around Hawaii. Did he I, really? I pictures yeah. on my Instagram. With a picture. They're, they're, really? They're Wait, not, was it that? Yeah. Or was it, was it on the, um, the, the Game of Caper show that we did? I don't know. Were you were telling I us? Remember. I can't remember. Anyway. No. Whatever. There's, Custer, there's of it. thanks for How coming on, eh? 
This sort of really kept going at the very end there. <laughs> no, it was great. It was, <laughs> it, honestly, it was, it, was, it was good talking with you guys. It's always fun being on here. We're yeah, squeezing another yourself. advert into the end. <laughs> Just gotta... <laughs> what are you, you yeah. pulling up, Johnny? Uh, no, I'm not pulling up anything. I'm just seeing if there's pictures from Hawaii. What, you're just reminiscing on your own personal time? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, Hawaii was the best <laughs> vacation I've ever been to. It was phenomenal. I loved it. Ever? I was like so bad. Yeah. I've been, I've been to a lot of countries, but I don't, I don't think I'm Hawaii a Hawaii is person. still America. But still. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's Plot Chat Overwatch, everybody. Episode 70. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like and comment and subscribe. Leave a comment if you think I should give Josh a fade. Yes or no? I actually do need a haircut. He does That's need a haircut. Cool. I'll yeah. give him a haircut at some point. I don't know. Just leave a comment for the engagements. We need ad revenue. Can, can I actually get like <laughs> comments wishing me luck on getting internet? I'd really Ah, like yeah. Josh internet. does need internet. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see you next time. Uh, Thanks again, Custer, for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you next week for the, uh, the World Cup preview. Boom. See ya. Bye-bye.